This is a hearing recording of the Artificial Intelligence and Government Committee hearing channels. For the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, it is a uh, rebroadcast from earlier this week, May 16th, 2023, from the Senate Dirksen Building, SD 5562. Okay. So in just a few moments, it will be gaveling in. So I appreciate your patience and um, look forward to hearing the whole hearing. This summer, the Office of Official uh, Intelligence at our first hearing. Sorry about that. The uh, committee will come to order. Today's hearing is the uh, second in a series that I plan to convene on artificial intelligence. At our first hearing in March, uh, we discussed the transformative potential of AI, as well as the possible risks these uh, technologies can pose. Today, we'll be discussing how AI has the potential to help government serve, uh, better serve the American people and such as improving the way agencies deliver services and also what pitfalls we need to be aware of as government increasingly adopts uh, AI. The federal government is already using AI in an effort to provide more efficient services, assess potential security threats, and automate routine tasks to enhance the federal workforce. Earlier this month, the White House announced a new efforts to invest in American leadership to develop AI technologies and promote the responsible use of AI within the federal government. Later this summer, the Office of Management and Budget is expected to release new guidance on federal government use of AI. Implementing legislation this committee advanced in 2020 and was signed into law in the government funding legislation. U.S. leadership in the development and use of AI systems, both by private sector and the government, is essential for our global economic competitiveness. We should work to ensure that government can adopt and deploy these tools to help improve American lives. But as we do so, we must ensure that we are prepared to address the potential risk and harms that AI systems can present. The potential for bias in AI applications can have serious consequences for federal government use. A recent study found that an algorithm used by the IRS to determine who should be audited was erroneously more likely to recommend black taxpayers than white taxpayers, and the government wasn't prepared with the data or the training necessary to actually recognize this biased outcome. As we heard in our last hearing, AI algorithms often lack transparency and accountability for how they arrive at certain outcomes. And even the engineers who design them do not always understand how they reach the conclusions that they reach. In government applications, this can present serious risk to Americans who may unknowingly be interacting with an AI, 
and who may struggle to get answers about why an AI system made a certain determination. For example, at least a dozen states deployed algorithms to decide eligibility for disability benefits, which resulted in denying thousands of recipients this critical assistance to help them to live independently and left them with little opportunity to understand why the decision was made or how they could possibly appeal it. The enormous amounts of data that can be collected as a result of using AI systems also presents concerns about privacy. Existing privacy laws do not envision these types of applications. As agencies use more AI tools, they need to ensure that they're securing and appropriately using any data inputs to avoid accidental, accidental <coughs> excuse me, disclosures or unintended uses that harm American civil rights or their civil liberties. Finally, we must ensure that our federal workforce is ready to procure and to oversee the use of AI systems to ensure that they're benefiting Americans. Last Congress, I authored legislation that was signed into law requiring that officials charged with procuring AI tools be trained in both their capabilities to improve agency mission and their potential risk to ensure responsible use. Last week, I introduced bipartisan legislation to build that effort by requiring federal agency supervisors and managers to receive similar training. I'm looking forward to today's discussion and to continuing to work uh, with my colleagues on both sides of the aisle to advance solutions that'll help us encourage American development AI and ensure that it is being used appropriately. During today's hearing, we'll be discussing some of those strategies, including the need to conduct inventories of current federal government AI applications, requiring ongoing audits to ensure the accuracy and the effectiveness of AI systems, and considering responsible standards that need to be met as the federal government continues to acquire additional AI tools. I'm grateful for our expert witnesses uh, for uh, joining us uh, today. We look forward to a, a fruitful discussion and a discussion that will likely continue well beyond this hearing and uh, be uh, engaging uh, for the foreseeable uh, future. I would now like to recognize uh, Ranking Member Paul for uh, his opening statement before we hear from our witnesses. Ranking Member Paul. In 1975, the late Senator Frank Church said, the United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor messages that go through the air. That capability at any time could be turned around on the American people, and no American would have any privacy left. Such is the capability to monitor everything. There would be no place to hide. These words came as Senator Church led the Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities, better known as the Church Committee. The Church Committee's 1976 final report exposed numerous secret federal programs that violated the constitutional rights of American citizens. It deemed these threats, uh, it deemed to be threats to existing social and political order. These programs surveilled and uh, targeted individuals like Martin Luther King Jr. and domestic organizations like the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, as well as infiltrated movements to incite rivalries and discredit leaders. Nearly 50 years later, Senator Church's ominous warning that the government could weaponize technology against the American people reads more like a premonition. There is truly becoming no place to hide. In recent decades, journalists and whistleblowers exposed the examples of our government leveraging emergency techno emerging technologies to violate the privacy and civil liberties of its citizens. 
Intelligence agencies conducted surveillance of video game games. The Department of Homeland Security in the Black Lives Matter movement. The Drug Enforcement uh, Administration conducted covert surveillance of people protesting the death of George Floyd. And it's only getting worse. Just last month, the ACLU acknowledged the Biden administration has been quietly deploying and expanding programs that surveil what people say on social media, using tools that allows agents and analysts to visibly monitor the vast amount of protected speech that occurs online. And how are they doing it? Using artificial intelligence. For years, federal agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, State Department, National Science Foundation and FBI have been colluding with private organizations and social media companies to combat what they deem to be disinformation. Jacob Siegel in Tablet wrote, disinformation is both the name of the crime and the means to covering it up, a weapon that doubles as a disguise. I think that's an apt way of looking at disinformation. It's a tool for those who want to limit speech but it also doubles as a disguise and a means of covering up what they're actually trying to do. The purpose, so they claimed, was to combat foreign malign influence. But in reality, the government wasn't suppressing foreign misinformation or disinformation. It was working to censor domestic speech by Americans. Since 2020, the federal government has awarded over 500 contracts and grants related to misinformation or disinformation. George Orwell would be proud. While the grant awardees and their proprietary AI and machine learning technologies differ, their goals are consistent. To mine the internet, identify conversations indicative of harmful narratives, track those threats and develop countermeasures before messages go viral. One National Science Foundation funded company's mission statement claims that social media is being manipulated and ideas are being spread uncontrollably online. The solution it provides, an automatic controversy detection algorithm to help identify things that are potentially opinion shifting in order to make communication more productive and less dangerous. In other words, censorship. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we witnessed accelerated use of artificial intelligence technologies to monitor and suppress public debate on issues like natural immunity, masks, and the origin of the virus. Multiple federal agencies including DOD and the State Department, funded automated disinformation detection technologies designed to monitor and suppress public debate on issues like vaccine and the origins of COVID-19. Writer Jacob Siegel, in a fantastic yet haunting narrative explaining the last decade of U.S. government domestic censorship efforts, said, disinformation now and for all time is whatever they say it is. That is not a sign that the concept is being misused or corrupted it is the precise functioning of a totalitarian system. Make no mistake, the United States is engaging in the same activities we criticize other countries for. But unlike China and North Korea, the United States government attempts to conceal its involvement using private entities as front companies to do their dirty work. But make no mistake, the intent is the same. Control the narrative, eliminate dissent, and retain power. This should terrify all Americans. The government is using your hard-earned tax dollars to surveil and censor your protected speech. Artificial intelligence is only going to make it easier 
for the government to do this and harder to detect. This should not be a partisan issue. We must get to the bottom of how the federal government uses artificial intelligence to violate the privacy and civil liberties of the American people before it's too late. Thank you, uh, Ranking Member Paul. It is the uh, practice of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee to uh, swear in uh, witnesses. So if each of you would please uh, stand and, and raise your right hand. Do you swear that the testimony that you will give before this committee will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Thank you. You may be seated. Our uh, first witness is Dr. Lynn Parker. Dr. Parker is the Associate Vice Chancellor and Director of the AI Tennessee Initiative at the University of Tennessee. Dr. Uh, Parker spent four years as Deputy United States Chief Technology Officer and Director of the National AI Initiative Office within the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. Before joining OSTP in 2018, Dr. Parker served as the Interim Dean of the University of Tennessee's Tickle College of Engineering. She has also served as the National Science Foundation's Division Director for Information and Intelligence Systems. Dr. Parker, welcome uh, to the committee. Uh, we look forward to hearing your opening statement. Thank you so much. Uh, Chairman Peters, Ranking Member Paul, and members of the committee, thank you for inviting me to testify at this hearing on AI in government. I am Associate Vice Chancellor at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and Director of the AI for Tennessee Initiative where we're working to establish Tennessee as a leader in the data-driven knowledge economy. My remarks today focus on ways that federal agencies can better leverage and govern the responsible use of AI in advancing their missions and providing services to the American people. Federal uses of AI are becoming increasingly transparent as agencies make available their AI use case inventories in compliance with Executive Order 13960 and the Advancing American AI Act. The extreme variety of federal AI use cases creates challenges for developing a flexible approach to the responsible government use of uh, governance and use of AI by the federal government. To help accelerate the responsible governance and use of AI in government, I offer the following recommendations. First, as directed by the AI and Government Act of 2020, and Executive Order 13960, OMB should prioritize and adequately resource their work on creating federal guidance for the use of AI in government. This guidance should address the wide diversity of use cases of AI across the federal government, encourage the responsible adoption of AI to improve public services while protecting privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties, and be operational for practical use by the agencies. Second, Congress should require federal agencies to use the NIST AI Risk Management Framework during the design, development, procurement, use, and management of AI. Beginning with a standardized assessment of the risks posed by use cases of AI is a key step that can be taken now by all federal agencies without needing to wait for additional OMB guidance. Third, Congress should require every federal agency to have a current and regularly updated AI strategic plan that includes that agency's approach to the responsible adoption of AI. Fourth, Congress should direct each agency to hire and resource a chief AI officer who is responsible for overseeing the development and regular update of the organization's AI strategy and use of AI. Fifth, 
Congress should direct the creation of an interagency chief AI officers council as an effective way to coordinate the governance and use of AI within the federal government. Six, the proposed chief AI officers council should review the agency AI use case inventories for common application areas and identify dozens of key agency processes that could be transformed with AI in a manner consistent with privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. Seventh, Congress should accelerate the responsible and innovative adoption of AI by providing agencies with AI innovation funds as part of their annual operating budgets. Eighth, to help address AI workforce shortages in the federal government and as directed by the AI and Government Act of 2020, the Office of Personnel Management should prioritize and adequately resource their work on the AI occupational series so that federal agencies will be better positioned to strengthen their AI workforces. Ninth, Congress should direct the development of a national initiative for AI education framework, analogous to the NIST uh, National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, or NICE framework, that was developed in 2017, to provide a comprehensive and standardized approach to describing AI roles and the associated knowledge, skills, and abilities needed for those roles. And finally, to help strengthen the breadth and diversity of talent in the nation's AI ecosystem, Congress should authorize and fund the National AI Research Resource as proposed by the Congressionally Directed National AI Research Resource Task Force. Such a resource would help develop new AI talent with some of this talent likely choosing to use their AI skills to support the federal government in its adoption and governance of responsible AI. I thank the committee for the opportunity to testify and look forward to your questions. Riga is the chief data scientist and director of the Innovation Lab at the U.S. Government Accountability Office. As an integral part of the science technology assessment and analytics team, he helps GAO develop and implement advanced analytical capabilities for its auditing uh, processes. Prior to joining uh, GAO, he held executive positions at Deloitte Ernst & Young and Booz Allen Hamilton, where he worked with audit, compliance, legal, and regulated uh, entities. Welcome to the committee and I look forward to your uh, testimony. Chairman Peters, Ranking Member Paul, and distinguished members of the committee. Thank you for inviting me to participate in today's hearing on artificial intelligence in the federal government. As GAO's Chief Data Scientist and Director of our Innovation Lab, I see AI's potential in action every day. But as you noted in your March 8th hearing, significant risks and challenges exist wherever AI is assisting or replacing discretionary decision-making. AI is undeniably an integral part of a functioning digital fabric. However, the federal government is certainly not immune from consequences of this powerful technology. The need to promote responsible and accountable use of AI is even more striking now in the face of growing dangers from unfair, unintended, or misleading outcomes that carry cascading societal impacts. Paradoxically, agencies continue to face acute shortage of federal digital talent needed to implement accountability practices. We must address both challenges at pace with, and perhaps even anticipate, rapid advances in AI capabilities. GAO has issued more than two dozen reports over the past several years to promote responsible and accountable use of AI. 
One of the most notable moments is the introduction of our AI accountability framework in summer of 2021. This first of its kind blueprint moved beyond high level aspirations and laid out 33 key implementation practices across four pillars for federal agencies to consider as they navigate the AI development lifecycle. In this framework, we also stress the importance of taking a team sport approach that integrates perspectives from an ecosystem of stakeholders. Beyond GAO's own use across our audit engagements, we're seeing adoption of the framework by the broader oversight community to conduct AI evaluations. On the workforce front, GAO has steadfastly reported on mission critical gaps for federal expertise in science and technology since 2001. The federal government as a whole continues to face barriers in hiring, managing, and retaining staff with advanced technical skills. The very skills needed to design, develop, deploy, and monitor AI systems. In our November 2021 report, GAO gathered perspective from technology leaders across federal, academic, and nonprofit entities to explore the concept of establishing a digital services academy. The aim is to improve the federal pipeline of highly trained digital talent that can effectively and responsibly modernize government, including implementation of AI systems. Ultimately, having a robust cadre of a digital-ready federal workforce ensures humans can successfully remain in and never out of the AI loop. GAO remains committed to supporting Congress on the trust but verify part of the AI accountability equation. We have formed an internal AI community of practice that includes every GAO mission team. We have established internal training resources to enhance data literacy and data science. We have hired more data scientists. Our innovation lab is actively exploring a variety of impactful machine learning techniques to transform audit functions. And we remain engaged with a network of oversight partners, academics, and governmental entities at all levels to exchange insights. All of these efforts give GAO hands-on experience to stay at forefront of AI technology, with which to offer technical systems and strengthen oversight capacity. Realizing accountable AI is a continuing journey that requires a whole of government approach. Federal agencies need more specific guidance on effective implementation of AI. At the same time, we need practical policy solutions that address interconnected challenges on privacy, civil liberties, and workforce readiness. We know AI capabilities will evolve at an incredible speed and the use of AI will continue to diffuse across facets of governmental functions. GAO believes that the federal government can and must simultaneously realize opportunities afforded by AI and be leaders in good governance, transparency, and compliance in this age of algorithmic renaissance. Chairman Peters, Ranking Member Paul, and members of the committee, this concludes my prepared statement. I will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Mr. Egan. Our next witness is Professor Daniel Ho. Professor Ho is the William Benjamin Scott and Luna M. Scott Professor of Law at Stanford Law School, Professor of Political Science, Senior Fellow at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research, Associate Director of the Stanford Institute for Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence, and Director of the Regulation, Evaluation, and Governance Lab. He also serves on the National Artificial Intelligence Advisory Commission, as a senior advisor on responsible AI to the Department uh, of Labor. Professor, welcome to the uh, committee. You, uh, 
uh, we look forward to your opening remarks. Chairman Peters, Ranking Member Paul, and members of the committee, it's an honor to speak with you today. The U.S. government has an exceptional opportunity. It can seize this moment of AI innovation to modernize federal programs, catalyze scientific advancements, and protect the rights and benefits of all Americans. Doing so will strengthen America, but strategic leadership, federal workforce investments, digital infrastructure, and procurement modernization will be necessary. The federal government needs to go from having a few pockets of innovation to a culture of innovation. Let me start with why AI and government matter so much. First, government should lead by example and demonstrate how responsible AI can modernize federal programs. In a report, we showed how early AI innovation in nearly half of the largest 140 federal agencies can transform Veterans Benefits Administration, improve monitoring of adverse drug events, and help protect workers, consumers, and the environment. Take the Social Security Administration, which can hear over half a million disability appeals per year. With great foresight, SSA began investing in data infrastructure and tools to modernize case adjudication in the 1990s. This culminated in an AI tool that allows judges to use natural language processing to check, check draft decisions for some 30 errors, accelerating and improving case processing, leading some to call the official who pioneered these early investments the Steve Jobs of the SSA. Second, government agencies are, of course, critical for effective regulation of the risks of AI. And striking the right balance between innovation and safeguards requires expertise in government. Getting technical talent into the federal workforce is the single biggest obstacle for effective regulation. Government cannot govern AI if it does not understand AI. Mm. While much progress has been made, including legislation from this committee, we still have a long way to go. When our research team at Stanford examined the implementation of AI-related legal requirements stemming from two executive orders in the AI and Government Act, we found a critical gap in leadership, strategic planning, and capacity. For instance, 88% of agencies fail to submit AI plans to identify regulatory authorities, and the implementation of a key transparency measure, agency disclosure of AI use cases, has been inconsistent, and the Office of Personnel Management has yet to release a required report due July of last year to forecast the AI employment needs and to create an AI hiring line. This must change. The federal workforce does Herculean work but faces fundamental challenges developing teams that can design, implement, and regulate AI effectively and responsibly. Stanford High's AI Index highlights that 65% of AI PhDs land in industry, 28% in academia, and less than 2% in government. Or in the words of one entrepreneur, the best minds of my generation are thinking about how to make people click on ads. Strengthening the pipeline of technical talent into the public sector and providing career paths is urgent. As the National Security Commission on AI noted, it's not just compensation. It's the perception and too often the reality that it is difficult for digital talent in government to perform meaningful work. I've seen this firsthand. One Stanford AI PhD student became so frustrated by an agency's decades-old software stack and lack of computing resources that he gave up on his aspirations for a career in government and went back to work in industry. Let me conclude with four recommendations. First, strategic leadership from the federal government is required to coordinate and drive forward trustworthy AI innovation. Congress should borrow a page from the Bipartisan Evidence Act and empower chief AI officers to ensure that senior leadership within agencies is driving forward responsible AI innovation and oversight. Second, Congress should establish new pathways and trajectories for technical talent in government. We need better models building on the U.S. digital service, public-private partnerships, and academic agency partnerships to attract AI talent to public service, build cross-functional teams, and provide pathways for career advancement. 
Third, government procurement is critical to capitalize on American innovation and spur developments of rights-preserving, privacy-enhancing technologies. We need to move towards more modular forms of contracting, which the Department of Defense has illustrated, that enable more effective development, acquisition, assessment, and auditing of AI systems. Last, we have to invest in digital infrastructure, including the National AI Research Resource, endorsed by multiple federal task forces for secure access to administrative data and large-scale computing resources to level the playing field. Government data, which is higher quality, more representative and reliable than web data that many models are trained on, is an important part of the solution. When the U.S. Geological Service made Landsat satellite imagery free to researchers in 2008, it generated three to four billion dollars in benefits annually, catalyzing discoveries in habitat modification, climate change and poverty. That is the promise of getting public sector innovation right. The U.S. government should act expeditiously to foster responsible AI adoption. I'm looking forward to your questions. Well, thank you. Our, our next witness uh, is Richie uh, Epping. And Mr. Epping serves as counsel for the American Civil Liberties Union of Idaho Foundation. He was previously the justice architect for the Idaho Legal Aid Services and before that, a Fulbright uh, fellow. Mr. Uh, Epping, uh, you are recognized uh, for your opening statement. Thank you, Chairman Peters, Ranking Member Paul, and committee members for your attention to artificial intelligence and automated decision-making in government programs. I was invited here today because I have been working for over a decade with Idahoans with developmental disabilities and their families to challenge secret decisions by computer, made by computerized algorithmic systems. Only through litigation that I've helped these families pursue were they able to access the algorithms the state of Idaho uses to make decisions about the health care that they depend on day to day. Once we opened the black box that concealed that automated system, we found that it was built out of corrupt data, relied on inputs that the state never validated, and produced results that even those who created it could not explain. A federal court ruled that the system was unconstitutional. Yet a decade after filing suit and over seven years since winning in court, we are still litigating the case, battling for due process against still more black box secrecy. Mm. Decades long class actions by indigent families are not a viable plan for AI governance and taxpayer programs. We need federal regulation and enforcement to protect basic fairness and constitutional rights in, con in government programs that use AI and automated decision-making systems. A little bit about the Idaho lawsuit. Although in the past, our society shamefully confined people with developmental disabilities in state hospitals, today through Medicaid, they can get services at home and in their communities instead, at a savings to the government and to taxpayers. One of my clients was Christy Mathwig. She was a bulwark in her rural community of Troy, Idaho, a mother and a leader in her church, Bible studies, and Al-Anon. She was also diagnosed as a teenager with a rare neuromuscular disease and relied on workers assigned her a budget, not dollars that she would ever see, but reimbursement for her health care providers based on assessment results plugged into an automated system. Christy came to me when the state told her her budget would suddenly be cut by tens of thousands.
with buzzing, yes. Okay. We're still working on microphone issues with this particular program. Thankfully, there's a new change in leadership slash ownership. Maybe that will change the way that the top-down is administrated. You know, we've had issues with social media basically being commandeered by the national security state with deference to what they want. So we'll have further debate on that on uh, the Unsanctioned Citizen airing at 2 p.m. on time today um, with our co-host, Gregor, who's in the uh, listening room. Thank you, Blotty, and thank you, King, for joining. Uh, we'll see you guys at 2, hopefully. And um, I'm going to drop the link in the chat section. And we will see you guys at 2 at the Unsanctioned Citizen.